Welcome to Global Missions Health Conference. We'd all like to be where this picture shows, and maybe we'll be able to do so in the future. One of the things I usually like to do to begin with is to find out why people are coming to a particular breakout session. I'd like to see what the gray hairs are thinking, and what the youngsters are thinking, and what the various disciplines involved are thinking. At this point, since I can't do that, perhaps we can chat during this session if you're interested in specific things related to you. The topic is faith-based mental health care in post-crisis population. Just a little bit so you'll know who I am. I'm the PGY-48, graduating It's important. 
important to realize and recognize again that faith is a basic strength for care. Unhealthy faith is a basic liability. One of the major take-home points for clinicians is that your relationship with your patients is the key basic factor in hope and healing. For some reason, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration is tasked by the government to develop disaster response. This is a look at what usual disaster trajectory is like. And on this axis are emotional highs, and this axis on the bottom emotional lows. This is the timeline of after. Many crises are a single event, an impact. Some there's a warning with regard to things like hurricanes, perhaps brewing wars, and those things. Some there's not a warning, like a specific earthquake. But one of the interesting things is prior to the impact, if there is a warning and a threat, there's understandably a decline in emotional health. Surprisingly enough, a common trajectory after impact is the heroic response. Altruism, sharing things, coming together as communities, developing community cohesion, which leads to this community honeymoon, or individual honeymoon, can go on for However, as time goes on and more accurate inventory is taken, is help really on the way? What kind of help is on the way? Is this really the disaster as bad as it seems like to me and so forth? There is a drop in emotional health and bouncing around as events, collapses, another earthquake, another intrusion. And then if things do settle to some degree, a gradual improvement with a dip commonly at anniversary if there was a single event. And then a long-standing process of working through and getting back toward whatever the new normal is. The difficulty with COVID is it's not a single impact event. In fact, if you look at a rolling crisis, you can see that these superimposed graphs have people in many different places, in many different places, at different stages of the process. What happened in the mental health challenges? The point prevalence of mental health effects in the U.S. was done with a COVID-19 pandemic survey of the population. And these numbers are quite striking. About 40% of the population has noticed some mental health challenge. Trauma and stress-related disorders, about a quarter. Anxiety or depression, about a third. Substance use, new substance use, about 13%. And impressively, and unfortunately, suicidal ideation in 10.7% of the population. The 40% of respondents who report at least one adverse mental health or behavioral condition broke out. That's the 30% anxiety, depression, 
trauma stress related about a quarter, 13% changing, unfortunately increasing substance abuse. And then the 10.7% who've considered suicide since the onset of the crisis. Suicide risk is higher among the younger population, 18 to 24, higher among minority and racial ethnic groups, higher among self-reported unpaid caregivers for adults, and then significantly increased among essential health workers, essential general workers who have had to be exposed and haven't been able to distance themselves from the pandemic. In general, the public health response that's been proposed has been to increase intervention and prevention efforts associated specifically with mental health conditions and health communication strategies and other community efforts prioritizing young adults, racial ethnic minorities, essential workers, unpaid adult caregivers with epidemiology. In general, the risk factors for mental health problems also include female gender, younger than 40 years of age, already suffering from a chronic psychiatric or medical illness, unemployment status with economic challenges, student status with expectations being significantly different than the reality of life, and then Interestingly, frequent exposure to social media and news concerning the COVID crisis is actually an increased risk factor for mental health. Post-crisis populations are numerous, as we mentioned before, patients, their families, their work colleagues, work associates, friends, and healthcare workers. There's different response to some degree in the global north and the global south and in the rural global south. This is not surprising, there's a variable response depending on context across the world. However, a systematic review literature done in July of 2020 looking at China, Spain, Iran, Turkey, US, and Nepal, and Denmark found a very high variability of depression, anxiety, PTSD, psychological distress, stress. So something is significantly different in timing and culture and resources so that we need to understand, particularly from the global missions perspective, that things that are true in one place may be true in another. In the U.S. as recently, October the 5th, New England Journal had a piece basically confirming that mental health care is already stretched to the limits that there's going to be need for a broader integration of mental health care into broader medical care besides the mental health trained individuals. Again, looking across the world, it's interesting that those that endorse stress and anxiety or sadness work very high in the U.S., about a third, high in Canada, U.K., France, Australia, New Zealand, declining into Sweden, Netherlands, and Norway, even though some of those countries have had a much higher morbidity and mortality than other countries. In the World Journals, Pakistan Medical Journal, Asian Psychiatric Journal, are studying and reporting on this phenomenon. 
phenomenon of a post-COVID stress disorder, which is not really the same as PTSD, is described actually quite well Psychiatric Times Review, which is not a peer review journal. This diagram of what are predictive factors and stressors can be helpful how we think about providing health care. Predictive factors are social support, employability, financial stability, health care resources, safeness in the workplace, adequate for health care workers, PPEs, timely COVID testing, and in some cases, active wellness programs. Promoting diversity and response and understanding is also a very positive predictive factor. The stressors are surprising, severe illness, hospitalization, witnessing a death or being close to someone who died, extreme exposure to the details, particularly in social media or setting, and then quarantine, social isolation, loss of employment, even having to work from home, the home environment packed with people, quite stressful phenomenon. Being a caregiver in the medical community, of course, having to make difficult medical decisions and adequate personal protective environmental devices is a major stress. The general response about how we can help professionally is to significant degree support medical caregivers so that they can stay healthy and continue to provide care. Support for COVID-19 survivors, a specific phenomenon emerging in the survivor population, needs to be addressed very specifically. Combating isolation, providing psychological first aid, and utilizing telehealth to broaden the reach providing help are all things that are advised and actually can be done. Now, most of us are familiar with the Maslow hierarchy of needs, in which the basic foundation is physiologic needs, and safety, and belonging, and things having to do with self-esteem and respect and achieving potential. In this kind of a crisis, Food insecurity, health issues, domestic violence, overwhelming roles as parents or caregivers, and of course, unemployment, lack of adequate training to be able to address these problems, increasing along the axis going upward. The difficulty is that. The hierarchy of needs has been flipped due to COVID-19. Turns out that the most important things actually are now at the top, which is physiologic, safety needs, community needs, with less important attention to issues of esteem and self-actualization. Institute of Medicine has been actively involved in looking for behavioral health interventions after disasters. And this diagram 
shows their three-tiered public health model, which includes the basis, universal interventions, like education, public health messaging, psychological first aid, which there's a formalized way to deliver. The next tier is targeted interventions. Usually these are some skill-based cognitive behavioral therapy or therapies, teaching skills for psychological recovery. But then at the top of the tier are the specialized services for the more severely acutely affected people, which are psychiatric services, long-term treatment, and depending on timing, trauma-focused CBT and other strategies. WHO has excellent resources available, including training for non-educated caregivers. I recommend if you haven't looked at WHO site, you do so because there's some important, basic, helpful information for any clinician. They have regular updates. It's reasonable to check the site regularly to keep up not only what's going on in your particular location, but to pay attention to what's happening across the world. WHO has already done rapid assessment of the effects of the pandemic on mental health, neurologic, and substance use services, which basically have been overwhelmed and increasing demand. So what about faith-based mental health care? Though well, that could mean any faith, this talk is focusing on the Christian faith. One of the difficulties is the definition of faith-based mental health care is not uniformly accepted or clear. There are different groups of faith-based intervening populations focusing on certain disciplines, biblical counseling, theophostic counseling, Christian counseling, and then what most of us are going to be involved with as general medical practitioners or even specialized practitioners is integrating faith and allopathic counseling. The models to integrate really are to bring in allopathic medicine or general health principles, general mental health principles and interventions. What are faith-based mental health principles? And then looking at how to apply those in the different specific populations that we're exposed to. Unfortunately, that doesn't always go well. In 2005, there was a review of the collaborative efforts between faith-based network Los Angeles and public mental health services. This is an interesting read. I won't go into detail now, but there are separate assumptions and belief systems that don't always overlap that sometimes make collaborating quite difficult. However, the last year or two, there are movements to establish faith-based mental health in collaboration with allopathic intervention. The Atlanta metro area faith-based mental health initiative is quite impressive, and I recommend you take a look at that for an example of how a strong faith community has integrated faith-driven and faith 
appropriate trained counselors to provide faith-based knowledge. Publications on this topic, Christian Psychotherapy in Context, Faith-Based Mental Health. The APA actually has a guide for faith leaders <coughs> about how to integrate with the rest of the mental health community to provide a collaborative, important effect. Barney Davis, a longtime friend of mine, who's actually one of the most experienced global health workers focusing on the mental health of missionaries, gave a talk at the CMDE in 2019 on this topic of looking at traditional counseling, Christian counseling, and then the biomedical, reductionistic, deterministic, general allopathic approaches to mental health. And there are a few points he made that I think will be helpful as we look at how to integrate faith-based care into the practice that essentially all of us have on who we are. Biblical counseling began with Jay Adams in the 1970s as a reaction to what he perceived to be godless and actually foundationless approaches to mental health problems. Basically, the definition was mental health problems are failure to completely surrender to God, following Him, removing idols that distract from worshiping Him, and recognizes, recognizing that these roots of sin keep us from acting in a Christ-like fashion and are the patterns that underlie their opinion all in relational distance. This is a pretty tough sell in modern secular interaction with Christianity, but there's still a very small, strong community with training, certification, focusing on this particular approach to mental health. Another approach to mental health is the Theophostic ministry developed by a pastor. It's not really considered to be counseling, but the focus is inviting the participant to recall painful memories or situations and asking Jesus in real time at the time to reveal the truth so that release can come. Theophostic ministers claim that healing is instantaneous and permanent in those particular circumstances, which I assume are appropriate for the approach. Things have evolved with regard to traditional neurothetic counseling in that recognizing that compassion is needed in addition to the confrontational approach. There's a publication, Keith Lambert wrote, Biblical Counseling After Adams, which moves in the direction of listening, providing compassion, while still maintaining the principle that mental health problems are basically sin-related problems. Christian counseling doesn't have a formal definition. Usually the provider has license provided by the state. Utilize, to one degree or another, traditional counseling theory and practice. Inter 
integrating with Christian principles. The range of Christian counseling is everything from a licensed provider providing biblical counseling to someone with a fish symbol on the door in which it's hard sometimes to tell where the biblical integration is. Barney proposes that for secularly trained mental health clinicians and secularly trained general clinicians, try to understand from some of the best writers like Larry Crabb what are the things that we can actually integrate into our general practice. And he proposes that we all become equated and comfortable with biblical counseling technique, with theophostic counseling, in general with Christian counseling. So if we refer, we don't provide the care ourselves, we know how to integrate that care with the care Some of the best resources, if you want to look into this further, Crab books, basics, principles, biblical counseling, effective biblical counseling, Lambert's theology, biblical counseling. There are others. These are sound, solid, resources that can be quite helpful in understanding how to relate to the Christian counseling community, biblical counseling community, theophostic counseling community. Integrating biblical counseling allopathic care is the challenge that faces most of us who are participating in this breakout. Not that we ignore science, but we understand about growth and development, psychological vulnerability, a variety of ways of looking at and understanding human nature. We also will ask these questions about what is a good drug doing in the midst of all this. How can we trust that this is good? And the question that we're asked to undertake is what is he showing us in the midst of the pain? As Barney stated very well, we need to believe in the heart of searching for God's hand and purpose, even in the midst of the most horrific events, as part of our approach to comprehensive care and helping those particularly with mental health problems. What is an integrative care model that can be useful to essentially all of us in medical care? We're all familiar with the biopsychosocial model. The biopsychosocial spiritual model is now being developed, promoted, and practiced to a point at which I suggest that be the foundation for organizing and integrating into mental health care and general care for our patients. And the model is quite structured. It's very clear that these systems interact with each other. Basically, the approach is to think in terms of biological level, what has been the previous trauma, disease conditioning, autonomic conditioning. What, is, what are the psychophysiologic capacities? What are the response to stereotypy to particular biological events that lead to the present process of disease and treatment, including CNS effects? So for the spiritual struggles, 
mental health struggles in the patient population. Paying attention to the biological system is important as we all know as a psychological system. What are the personal meanings learned from experiences and misobservations? Character structure and coping styles have in our patients developed so that presently, what are the possible modulation of psychological styles, adaptive reactions that we can promote? The social level in the same individual, we know that exposure, the sick role, exposure, the social reaction is mental health leads to present disposition, either being a caretaker or sufferer in the nuclear family and in the broader Christian social context. So that the processes that we need to pay attention to, whether the individual basically is built their mental health and social self-security around punishment and punishment processes or other more healthy approaches. And then, most important in this thinking is the personal and spiritual system. What has been the learning of spiritual role, role relationship with God, what supernatural meaning is given to current mental health distress. Is the individual rebelling against or accepting of God's authority? Acceptance or struggling? A variety of various spiritual responses lead to finding faith as either an asset or a vulnerability if faith is in rebellion. Outcomes toward peace or despair can be achieved if all of this is integrated in the care of our patients. Medical, in this particular instance, focusing on mental health problems. So don't only pay attention to the biological, psychological, social, or spiritual. Recognize that these systems interact with each other in multiple ways. So that understanding the person we're caring for needs to be comprehensive. How do you apply the biological spiritual model? Well, the general population, if people have been healthy pre-crisis resilient, they still may have diminished margins, or their margins may be destroyed, and as we saw in epidemiology, up to 40% of the general population has had a significant personal health experience during the COVID-19 pandemic. Those that were not healthy pre-crisis are the most vulnerable, medically unhealthy, emotionally unhealthy, mentally, socially, and spiritually. Applying the biopsychosocial spiritual formulation to those individuals gives us an idea about where to put the most resources at what time to try to optimize their health and recovery. Global health workers was one of the topics I was asked to cover. Realize that really needs an entirely separate session, and probably a separate session has been presented in the past and will be in the future. And I know some of the plenary sessions at the conference are going to focus on mental health.
In terms of mental health and missions, there's large literature on the unique factors faced by mental health workers, large literature on the individual abilities, the spiritual, emotional, social, cultural, and medical status. Those all need to be taken into account when trying to understand optimizing global health worker. A few years ago, several of us published a paper in the Journal of Psychology and Technology, which looked at 393 healthcare missionaries, about half female, had significant anxiety, nearly half of male. 32.5% of female and 27.5% of male missionaries report significant depression. That's much higher than is seen in the general population. Some of it depending on timing and duration. One of the interesting findings with, for both females and males was a bimodal distribution of more severe depression, suggesting that there was a clear delineation from depression. Regression analysis found the most highly associated phenomenon was low role satisfaction among health workers, leading to both anxiety and depression severity. Out of this came a model proposing looking at role satisfaction and its correlates looking at job expectations prior to arriving on the field, receptivity of the host country, gender, balance of work and ministry, all the things that we know complex, ongoing, significant for global health workers. These are some of the excellent references for those of you that want to take a deeper dive into this particular topic. So in summary, we've looked at epidemiology, we've looked at the nature of crisis, we've looked at some models, and we've looked at some models that can be generally applicable to all of us who are healthcare workers, to looking at and helping those with significant health problems, particularly post-crisis. As I said at the beginning, the take-home points are that COVID specifically has been a rolling crisis. And health problems for pandemic care needs to be based on needs, which often means basic survival needs first. The definition of faith-based mental health care is somewhat fraught, but we've been able to pull together some basic understandings so that you can know how to integrate to your general care of patients. I propose the biopsychosocial spiritual model as a way to think and integrate. Reminded us all that faith can be a basic strength for care. The final point I wanted to make is that the clinician patient relationship is key to how we intervene. A good relationship with a clinician is often much more important. And the skill provided by a clinician who doesn't have that kind of 
These are some basic general references. Be some other uploaded onto the same website. So we'll have a chance to discuss questions and comments to some degree during the session. But if you want to communicate after, one of the first few things. Thanks for attending.